What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. This is the Four Man Rush. possible move to South Carolina, give you an update on the latest pro days and visits, and we're going to give a recap of the four-man rush, latest mock draft, and we're going to explain our strategies so y'all guys can get the inside tip. So let's get right to it. A lot of things that was caused a lot of stir was the Panthers announcing that the possibility of the headquarters and team, brand new team practice facility will be in South Carolina. It caused some fans, due to the way the headlines was was putting it out there, Panthers are moving to South Carolina. I know why they did that. You know, to get people, you know, to read what Panthers moving to South Carolina. I thought they was. I I get that, but if you got if you read the articles, it explains that the headquarters and the practice facility is moving, but not the stadium where the games will be played at. That's gonna remain uh, in Charlotte. So we're gonna get into all of that. But definitely, um, this is a big move. The model has, well, one of the models of the, te- of the team has been one team, two states. Training camp has always been down in Spotbird at Camp Walford. Mr. Tepper is talking about also doing fan fests at different locations throughout the Carolinas, not just Charlotte. So I definitely think that would be something that a lot of fans will be able to take advantage of who can't make it here to Charlotte. Also, the location where they're talking about putting the new practice facility and headquarters at. I drive past this location every day on my way to work, right off of Interstate 77 between Dave Lyle Boulevard and Cherry Road heading. And so I know exactly where the uh, what a new place is going to be. But, yeah, that's the main thing that had a lot of people talking. Larry, you, you familiar with the area? I mean, you know, I live out here in Atlanta, so if this was to be the move, I'm ecstatic because my biggest fear was, you know, possibly making a facility north of Charlotte, being that I like to go to training camp every year. So if it's anything along that I-85, I-85 interstate, I'm with it. And I know that area really well. I think that's a perfect mutual location for the bulk of our Carolina Panther fans. So it's something exciting for me. I know you feel the same because it's right in your stomping ground. Yeah, I mean, Interstate 77, I mean, it begins in Columbia, South Carolina. And because I'm a, you know, geography nerd, it runs all the way up to Cleveland. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. But, yeah, this this stretch of land, I mean, it's, it's right below Carowinds. 15, given traffic, give or take 15, 20 minutes to the stadium. You know, I've grown up in this area. Uh, my sister lives, I got family. My sister lives in Rock Hill. Uh, for me, this would be a hot skip and a jump to get there from my current location, but uh, I'm definitely excited. And as you mentioned, it'll give more access for fans to get to the uh, get to see the Panthers. And I I like the fact that not only is it just going to be the headquarters, not only is it going to be practice facility, but it's also going to bring jobs and revenue to the area. They're talking about building up hotels. Uh, retail stores, 
restaurants, all these things are going to help generate re revenue and generate jobs. And, you know, because this is a rural area, hey, that's definitely going to be a big boost. You know, at the end of the day, you know, it's all about a dollar bill. And, and, Mr. and Mr. Tupper is someone that's definitely someone that uh, counts his money. So I definitely look forward to seeing how this all plays out. Sounds good to me, man. As long as it's easily easily accessible, I think it's a win-win for everybody in Panther Nation. Yeah, I definitely think it's a win-win situation because we, we see how the banner goes back and forth. You know, people teasing and like, oh, it's in Charlotte, it's the North Carolina Panthers, and, you know, try to get the South Carolina fans riled up. But this would be something that would truly – bring a, equal, a more equal balance to what the team wants to represent in both states. Practice in one, play and perform in the other. Now, with the contract for training camp at Walford being up after this season, who knows where training camp is going to be after the 2019 season. That's another thing that this move possibly – could have some sort of um, resolution to when it comes to that. But yeah, like you said, coming from Atlanta, from the Atlanta area, yeah, this definitely will be a, a hop, skip, and a jump for you. You get on 85, jump off on 485, jump on 77, boom, you're right there at it. The location is something that's going to be an advantage for everybody. One thing that I am concerned about is, you know, at BOA, we play on natural grass. I'm hoping that that's something that they can continue at the new facility. You know, as a, you know, I was younger, the field turf stuff was exciting because it gave me a lot more grip and stuff like that. But I noticed it's a high percentage of knee injuries and ankle injuries and Achilles injuries because of this field turf stuff. So I'm hoping that maybe they can do something where they can have still all natural grass at the new facility. Yeah, I definitely think they'll continue that because at the current practice facility, it's field turf and it's natural grass you know with two of our division rivals playing on you know field turf in atlanta and new orleans we we definitely got to be able to you know get used to the type of footwork adjustments that need to be done because if anyone that's ever played knows that it feels different from turf to grass you know especially when there's any type of inclement weather involved there's a huge difference you know, and as someone that's played, you know, football on high school and, and collegiate and semi-pro level to a degree, I definitely have seen the the pros and cons of both. So I, I think that's something that we'll take advantage of. Uh, I, I remember reading where the Dallas Cowboys facility, and I hate bringing them up, but, you know, it is what it is. That's somewhat of the type of model that Mr. Tepper is wanting to make the Panthers headquarters and practice facility like. So anyone get a chance to Google and look that up, if you want to get somewhat of an idea, that will, that's what you would get a somewhat of an idea of what's going to be coming to, to our way soon. I can think of at least, and I'm not going to make an excuse. We don't, we don't take excuses, but I can think of at least four or five games this year where it pretty much rained the entire, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, and sometimes the Friday session. Again, Mr. Tupper recognized that off the gate, and that's why this bubble that he's going to currently put over the practice field now is being built right now as we speak. So I think that's something that the fans are going to appreciate. I know the players are going to appreciate it. You know, more climate-controlled environment, 
but still allowing you to you know maintain your competitive edge as well. Uh, for those that's keeping tab, NFL Draft is going to be held in Nashville, Tennessee. Everybody's looking forward to the end of this month with the NFL Draft, where the uh, Tennessee Titans uh, play, and uh, the dates is Thursday, April 25th, Friday, April 26th, and Saturday, uh, April 27th. You know, those be the dates that, that the team gets their new new toys, per se. You know, uh, the new players and plenty of wild speculation by fans what we're going to do, who we're going to get. But, you know, just going through the list of what's what the Panthers have been doing. You know, the Panthers have been bringing in several players to play several different positions. Some are highly talked about. Some not mentioned as much. Um well, I mean, I'll give a quick update. So if uh, anybody's not aware, you know, NFL teams get 30 private visits. That's 30 different players that they can bring on, have one-on-one interviews with, get to see them work out and stuff like that. So this is give you a quick update of who we've met with so far. You've got uh, Titus Howard, offensive tackle, Eric McCoy, center, Caleb McGarry, offensive tackle, Draymond Jones, defensive tackle. Brian Burns, which a lot of people are high on. Darnell Savage Jr., which a lot of people are high on. Montez Sweat, another guy a lot of people are high on. And also safety Taylor Rapp. And you might notice that uh, Cleveland Farrell's name isn't mentioned on that 30 private visits because he's a Clemson guy. He counts as a local visit, which is another benefit for us because that's one extra visit that we get as far as the private goes private visits go. So that's a quick update of who we've been having bring in. I'm sorry, who we've been bringing in so far. Yeah, and that's definitely a, a list that I see a lot of fans have been discussing and mentioning, uh, definitely posting with their mock drafts, which we're going to touch on a little bit here as well. Uh, just some other names to throw out there. You know, with Cam Newton's, you know, recovering from shoulder surgery and with two young backup quarterbacks right now, there's been Speculation that the Panthers may invest a draft pick in quarterbacks. Uh, just a list, just some of the names of quarterbacks that the Panthers have met with here. Most popular lately is Will Greer out of West Virginia. Uh, his stock is, what I'm hearing, is definitely rising. Also, Tyree Jackson out of Buffalo. Now, if you're talking about someone that's athletically wise, is a mirror image of Cam Newton, Tyree Jackson out of Buffalo is someone that, from an athletic point of view and uh, skill set, you you can almost want to say Cam Newton Jr., you know, that dual threat type of ability. So he's definitely someone from the uh, quarterback spectrum of players that we've already, you know, spoken with here as well. Also, the talk of running backs here. One of my personal favorite, Miles Sanders out of Penn State. Uh, the Panthers have spoken um, with him, talked with him. Uh, Elijah Holyfield out of Georgia, down by your way. Travis Homer of Miami. So definitely want to see what options we have behind Christian McCaffrey. Now, we also had signed back Camera Artist Payne to a one-year deal this year. And as a Camera Artist Payne fan, I like that, but I'm definitely not opposed to adding talent there. You know, a lot of people are uh... – they kind of reluctant about Elijah Holyfield because he has such a slow 40. I think he ran something like a 4.8. But I got to see a lot of Georgia football this year, and he's not really a speed back. He's a power back. So 
I think they probably brought him in, you know, or had an interview with him just because he might be a good change of pace. I think his best combine mark was honestly his bench press. He showed that he's extremely strong. So just to have a guy that maybe can punch it in between the tackles, just to take the load off of McCaffrey a little bit, that's somebody that I think that really is under our radar. But I know fans just don't like him because he had a slow 40. That doesn't mean he's a bad football player. And as far as the quarterbacks go, you know, Will Greer's been getting a lot of the, a lot of the spotlight. I was actually high on him before the college season started. I thought he probably was maybe one of the best quarterbacks in the NCAA. For some reason, you know, mid-season, towards the end of the season, his stock, his stock started falling. But now, as you see, we've been interviewing him a little bit. He performed well at his, uh, at his performance days and stuff like that. His stock is climbing a little bit more. But I think he is a guy that's actually NFL-ready because of the system that they run at West Virginia. But still, all in all, if we can get our hands on the Tyree Jackson in the third or fourth round, that's a steal because I think he's probably the best athlete in the quarterback room right now. I mean, like you said, he's a mirror image of Cam, 4-5-9-40. I know Steve Smith at the combine had to talk to him and tell him to take something off of the, uh, the balls he was throwing because he was making the receivers look bad. He's got a hell of an arm. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a hell of a talent. He's fast, quick, strong. People just don't know about him because he went to Buffalo. It's a smaller school. But that's somebody we should definitely keep an eye on. Oh, yeah, definitely keep an eye on. And, you know, for those that's thinking Buffalo, well, you know, not to compare as far as talent, but just think what type of players come from there. If I'm not mistaken, Khalil Mack came from Buffalo, didn't he? You're absolutely right about that. And that's first team all pro. Every year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so definitely. And it's funny you mentioned about Elijah Holdersfield being a power back. You know, if everybody goes to our Facebook page under, um, you know, where we got our visits thing, Elijah Holdersfield comes in at 5'10", 217. Now, if he's what they define as a power back, what is he, what, a couple pounds more than what Christian McCaffrey is right now? <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. so, you <laughs> know <laughs> You know, people think power back, you know, they're thinking 235, 240, you know, the Jonathan Stewart days, you know. Rivera said he wants someone that's going to mirror what we're doing right now with Christian McCaffrey. So we're talking about being lined up in the backfield, can motion out, uh, can be used as a decoy. So definitely these players that we're meeting with, from what I've looked at, have – showing similar abilities here. Like I say, Miles Sanders out of Penn State, uh, definitely my guy. And don't get it wrong. I mean, when I say power, I just mean the way that he runs. Like, he runs very violent. So he's a guy that's willing to, you know, take on contact and stuff like that. He can break one, you know, break a tackle and get you an extra five or ten yards. But I also saw that he showed that ability, you know, to catch the ball in the backfield. And I think he was Jordan's best blocking back as far as, you know, when, when uh, Jake Fromm dropped back to make a pass, he often stayed in the backfield and was able to take on linebackers and take on edge rushers and stuff like that. So he's just a good football player. I just didn't want people to get, you know, blown away by the fact that he had a 40-40. He's actually quicker than he is fast. But, you know, he's a local guy. George is one state over. I'm sure that they brought him in, talked to him for a reason. But like you said, you know, I would prefer to have somebody that can – mirror what McCaffrey does. That way you're not missing a beat. You know, you don't have to change much as far as your playbook goes. And that's another reason why I like Tyree Jackson. 
you get a guy like that, you don't have to change your playbook at all. He can do pretty much all the same things your starting quarterback Cam Newton can do. So, you know, we're excited about the guys that we're bringing in. Oh, most definitely are. And, you know, this next group of guys we've spoken to, which seems to be the discussion year after year, no matter what, is the wide receivers that we've talked to. Um, we talked to Terry Goodwin II out of Georgia, 5'11", 185. Uh, local product, Debo Samuel out of South Carolina, 5'11", 214. Um, Anthony Ratcliffe-Williams from North Carolina, 6'1", 205. Now, these next couple of guys played out in the Midwest. A lot of fans might not be familiar with, but, you know, we do our research and we watch film. Jazz Ferguson out of Northwestern State, 6'5", 227. And Nick Easley out of Iowa, uh, 5'11", 205. Again, by you living in Georgia, what can you tell me about what you've seen from out of uh, Terry Goodwin II and even Debo Samuel playing in the SEC? Well, I know a lot of a lot of South Carolina fans are big on Debo Samuel. I didn't get to watch a whole lot of South Carolina this year because it just, not to offend any of Panther Nation, they just weren't that good. But uh, Terry Godwin, he's solid. You know, he can pretty much do everything. And God saw him play a lot of slot receiver at Georgia just because that's what they do. That's where they wanted to utilize him. But a lot of these analysts believe that he can actually put on the outside. He's a well-rounded guy. He's a little bit smaller. You know, like you said, 5'11", 185. But he has the tools. I think he has pretty good hands. I don't see him drop much of anything. You know, he's somebody that will probably you can draft, and he'll come in and compete with a guy like Rose Frazier for that fourth or fifth spot. Or, you know, groom, you know, he'll be able to be around the Jarius right where he can get groomed and become a pro's pro. I mean, I just think that, you know, receiver is not our priority at the moment, but it would not hurt just to bring in a solid guy, you know, to have depth and compete. Oh, yeah, definitely. Now, me being a Tar Heel fan, you know, I know a little something uh, about my guy, Anthony Ratliff-Williams. We're talking 6'1", 205. He attacks the ball. He's a go-getter. very aggressive high jump, runs smooth routes, and he plays inside and outside. High school, he was a uh, he was a quarterback. So you know, we're talking about you know someone that would fit well in a North Turner offense. You know, I'm thinking you know put him in motion on a jet sweep. You know, pitching to him and hey, he's throwing it. You know what I'm saying? Like it gives you that type of you know, wild card factor that, I mean, what we all talking about, you know, versatility, you know, being able to do multiple things well. So a guy like him will be something that, uh, hey, if we can get him on day three, I wouldn't be opposed. I'm like you. I'm good. Like, if we didn't address wide receiving a draft, I'm not going to cry about it. But there's definitely some talent out there that's, that's definitely worth looking over because, you know, no offense to the guys that we got now, but if better is out there, I want better. You know, we want the best 90 players going to Camp Wofford and battle it out. Now, a guy that we talked about, you know, amongst ourselves here, Jazz Ferguson out of Northwestern State. But not from, from remember correctly, I think Pro Football Focus said he had the lowest uh, drop catch radius, I think, in, in the entire NCAA. I think it was like 0.2% or something like that. I, I have to go back and look it up. But, you know, we're talking about a guy 6'5", 227. 
this would be a guy that that might be might be worth a shot to look at. You know, um, with that size and with hands like that, hey, you know, throw it out there. Yeah, I love those measurables, but you know, at the same time, I'm just one of those guys that. You know, I used to be big on it. Let's go get a big receiver. Let's go get a Calvin Benjamin. Let's go get a Devin Funches. Like I tried to say last episode, you know, Cam has had his most success throwing to the little guys, throwing to the guys that get separation. So, you know, we keep swinging for these big receivers. Hopefully, if we go ahead and get one, it'll be somebody that Cam can gel with, and he's reliable. I think that's our most important need. You know, Jarius Wright was our most reliable receiver last year. We need that reliability for whoever we bring in. I just want guys that'll catch the ball. That's why, just like you, I miss Brenton Burson. He wasn't fast. He wasn't a big star or nothing like that, but he was reliable. He caught the ball when he threw it to him. We need a couple guys like that. Jerry is right. Can't carry that load on his own. Oh, yeah, he definitely cannot. You know, so, again, we'll, we'll hey, depending on how the Panthers draft board shapes up, you know, we, we one of these guys that we're mentioning could be a possible addition uh, to the team. Now you went through the uh, some offensive linemen earlier, just to let fan. I didn't know if you mentioned or not, but uh, a local guy, uh, Mitch Hyatt out of Clemson, six five three zero three. He's also someone that the uh, uh, that the Panthers have uh, spoken to and reached out to. And like you said, being at Clemson, he doesn't count against the thirty visits, so that's definitely a that's definitely a plus. Uh, one of the guards that I'm kind of growing on now that's growing me is a uh, Drew Samia out of Oklahoma. I mean, you know, I like nasty, you know, I played guard in, in, in high school and he plays, he reminds me of me. He just reminds me of a better version of myself. <laughs> now, obviously he's a uh, five inches taller, but definitely, I mean, you talk about somebody that when he gets his hands on you, you're done, like you're done. So, uh, he's definitely a guy that, um, can catch the eyes of a lot of Panthers fans and football fans in general because of how he plays. You know, when you bring that up, he actually popped out to me because, you know, I was watching Cody Ford film, you know, when I was trying to get a grasp on Cody Ford, that guy popped out. Like he, he pops on tape. So I think that's a big, a big key for him because a lot of guys don't even know about him, but he looks like he'll be a solid NFL pro. He's got a good center of gravity. Like you said, he's nasty. He has a hell of a drive. Like I think he's kind of a mauler, but he also showed the ability to pass protect as well. But you know, when you that's something that you can always notice when you're trying to watch film on one guy and another guy is popping out for you, that's something special. So I think that uh you got your eyes open with him. I hope that's somebody that we get to talk to. Hopefully we can get in the mid-round. Oh yeah. So it's definitely gonna be some some unknown late day gems to be found out there. I, I really think this one of them drafts, even on day three, we really can't because we have so many needs that, well, I don't know if I can still say needs, but we just have places that can definitely use upgrade. And I really like to think that the picks that we make on day three on that Saturday are going to be just, it's going to be important. I can't say as important as, you know, day one and day two with rounds one, two, and three. But you know, you're talking about guys that that fill the back end of your roster. That's going that could be key rotational pieces. So um, even though our guy Greg Van Roden played every snap and 
and, and did a very you know decent job for us. I'm I'm not shy about upgrading the position as well. You know the way I see it, man. There's there's a couple positions where I feel like you can never have too many of. That's offensive linemen, defensive linemen, and defensive backs. So when it comes to filling up the end of your roster, that back end of it. You know, day two, day three, I'm for any of those guys. Give me an extra DB. Give me a safety we can develop. Give me a DT. Give me an edge rusher. Give me a tackle. Give me a guard. Give me a center. I don't care because I feel like you can never have too many at that position because those are the positions where guys get hurt the most, you know? So it's good to have depth. There's nothing like when you lose a guy and you you can come in and have a guy that don't miss a beat. Like, you know, when Darrell Williams went down, Moulton came in, didn't miss a beat. We need that all over our 53. So those are going to be important picks for us late in the draft. Not just, though, usually you just get special teams guys in the in the late rounds, but hopefully we can get a couple guys that can make a difference for us. You know, get a, get a guy or two that, you know, can come in and play a role instead of just playing on special teams. So that's what we all wish for. And it seems like, like you said, this kind of draft is pretty deep. We should be able to get difference makers rounds one through seven. I'm excited about that. This is going to be one of the best drafts we've had in a minute. And it's funny that you said how deep the draft was. I don't know if you was somehow got in my mind, but let's just say an event that the way the draft shake out, we don't grab us a a defensive end edge guy with the first couple of picks. I mean, I'm looking at guys that that in the third, possibly fourth round, that I think would make impact. With, with us because one, I trust Rivera's play calling and what he wants to do with his new hybrid defense. And two, with Eric Washington being back hands-on with defense alignment, I feel like whatever players we draft, regardless of round, I, I think that they're going to get coached up and going to be put in the, the best position to succeed. Like I'm looking at a guy like Ben Bagnogu from TCU, 6'4", 250. You know, we're, we're talking about... No, 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 Kevin. You're not allowed to talk about him. And I'm gonna tell you why after we after we do our mocks. <laughs> you not love, I'm gonna talk about Ben, okay? <laughs> All right, okay. Well, can I talk about the next guy? Polite out of Florida. Yeah, do your thing, man. I'm just playing with you. <laughs> I know, bro. Yeah, like with polite. Now, for those that's not aware, he's been taking some some bad press for how well, how bad he did at the combine, not only with the interviews, but with uh, his combine workouts. But again, when you put on the tape, you know, we're talking about an edge rusher, 6'3", 258, that fits the mold of your typical 3'4", outside linebacker. I've read scouting reports where he might not be suited to put his hand down in the dirt. That remains to be seen. But I, I think that if we don't grab a top-notch pass rush in the first or second round, it's not the end of the world. You know, so he was, them two guys were someone that I uh, just wanted to, you know, make mention as well. Another guy that I kind of like at D tackle because, you know, we got some, you know, we got some some possible situations there. Um, today, matter of fact, Draymond Jones out of Ohio State was at Bank of America State in, on, on, his, on his visit. You know, we're talking about a guy 6'3", 281 can play the zero one technique over the center. Um, Ohio State moved him all along the line. He's going to be someone that could be a possible pick for us. Uh, I think a guy that we all chose and like was uh, Daylon Mack out of Texas A and M, six one three twenty. Now we already talked about after this year, 
it would be cost effective to move on from Don Terry Poe. This would be the guy that will fill in and do a great job for us, you know, if that move does actually happen. And of course, you know, the, the other two defensive tackles are from Clemson. What more well-known, Dexter Lawrence, 6'4", 342, you know, a man's man. And then Christian Wilkins, 6'3", 315, I mean, just destroys pockets. So I like this group of defensive tackles that we've spoken with so far. I do too, man. You got a lot of versatility because, you know, I'll give you an example. You think back to when we both took, when we, uh, we took Star and we also took KK. You know, Star was a guy that was eating up blocks and, you know, KK was supposed to be a, 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 a finicky pass rushing guy. Guys like Dexter Lawrence, he can do both. Christian Wilkins can do both. So I think the versatility at the D tackle position this year is phenomenal. And I'm gonna let you talk about uh, Mr. Ed Oliver. <laughs> yeah, Ed Oliver, man, he he blazed a, a a hot forty time at the pro day at Houston this week. So you know, unless something unforeseen happened, he's likely uh, back in a top ten conversation. But you're talking about a guy that on film, watching him, I mean, man, like he easily was in control the majority of the time that he played. I mean, his hand placement, his his leverage, how he turned his hips, how he was not only fast but strong with his penetration and smart. I mean, you're just talking about, and I don't want to heap too much praise, but you know, a lot when I watched him, I thought about how people were looking at Aaron Donald when he, you know, was being talked about when he first came into the league. And, you know, if we if you want to talk about the premier, you know, defensive tackle right now, that 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 would be him. Now, I'm not saying that Ed Oliver is that tight, but he shows a lot of the similarities and characteristics that, you know, he gets with the right system, right coach. You're talking about um a player that could easily dominate for the next 10 years, like we're seeing Aaron Donald do, who won, what, what the defensive MVP um, player of the year this year with 22 sacks? Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, you know, you just helped me think about something else, being at the fact that we don't add Oliver right now. Something that Panther Nation should know is you got to pay attention to your division rivals. The Falcons had, I think they picked two picks above us. I think they're the 14th pick. It's ironic that they have the same exact draft needs as us. So I know that, Kevin, you were real high on that, Oliver, hoping that we can get a guy like him. I heard he was number one on the Falcons board. And I only have that information because I live here in Atlanta. I got to listen to sports radio and stuff like that. But it baffles me that they have pretty much the same needs as us. They want to get strong on the offensive line. They want to get an interior defensive lineman or an edge rusher because they're not happy with Vic Beasley. And they got to have somebody to go next to, uh, what's their star guy name? Uh, gosh, what's his name? What Grady is, Jarrett. uh, no, nah, they're, uh, they're, yeah, Grady Jarrett. Grady Jarrett's their yeah, star DT. They yeah. want somebody to go along with him. And they also wouldn't mind getting better on their back end because they just let go of one of their corners. And, you know, um, their highest paid corner, I'm not going to say no names, but he didn't have the best year last year. So it just seems like they're looking at having the same kind of needs as us. So, it might hurt me if everybody has a fallen in love with a guy. You know, our division rival takes him. That'll hurt me, man. So I just want people to keep an eye on that. The Falcons are a team that pick within two picks of us, and they happen to have a lot of the same draft needs. So hopefully they don't play they don't they don't play like the enemies that they really are. They go go ahead and get a guy like 
I'm not going to say no names either, but go get a guy that we don't want. You know, so that's something that we need to think about. Right, definitely, because, you know, if you remember last year, we were two spots ahead of them, you know, and, uh, you know, we took DJ Moore. And what did they do? Uh, they took Calvin Ridley. So, you know, it looks like we done swapped places again for, for the 2019 draft. So, you know, we possibly could be finding, you know, even more reasons, you know, why to hate the Falcons, you know. So, like, I'll be livid. I'll be livid if they take a guy like Greedy Williams, when they take a guy like Montez Sweat, when they take a guy like Cleveland Farrell, when they, <laughs> when they take a guy like Ed Oliver. Like, those those guys that we've been high on, or they take a guy like Andre Dillard, I'll be upset. They can have Jonah Williams give me Andre Dillard. That's where I'm at with it. Oh, yeah. I, I can almost hear the conversation <laughs> with you now on draft night when, when that happens. And by the way, folks, uh, four man rush. Uh, we will be, you know, bringing the draft um, to you as well. Uh, we got some ideas, some things in the works. So we definitely want to make our presence felt on draft night for you guys to take advantage of. So, you know, just another reason for you guys to stay tuned and stick with us. Absolutely, man. I'll just uh, I'll tell one of the things. But we plan on having some big boards for you guys to look at. I don't know if everybody's ever seen what an actual NFL big board looks like. We're going to basically take that format and pretty much make our own. So I'll give you guys something to follow throughout the draft. You guys can give us your input on how you feel about it and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, because, you know, several of you Panther fans, if y'all remember last year, you know, right before the pits came out, you know what I'm saying, I was pretty much naming who was the next guy. And people was like, man, how did you do that? You know, and, you know, that same plug that, that, uh, that I had that was giving me that inside information just also so happens to be, you know, one of the people behind the scenes with the four man rush, but I'm gonna leave that anonymous, you know, you know, can't be giving out all the, you know, herbs and spices to this chicken that we got over here. You know what I'm saying? Like we going to eat. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you all the way, man. Yeah. But now that kind of helps us slide on into the mop board. You know, we put out this week or this past week, you know, the four man rush, we, we took our turns and did our own little mock drafts and and you know we all got our different opinions and reason why we want this player at this round to do this job and i really think that um that we owe it to our fans to you know let them get inside of our minds individually to see why we are able to you know why we felt that this player at this time would be you know would be ideal uh for the panthers now i couldn't remember who who whose mock draft actually won? You know, with the vote count. Do you remember? Yeah, it was Norris's. Yeah, Norris, aka Mr. Blog. He's the he's one of our guys behind the scenes that has been providing you guys with a lot of the insight. He does great work. Ironically, blogging never was really something he set out to do, but he just put his thoughts and his passion for this team together, and he's been putting out some great articles. So. Definitely when you guys read about what's going on with the Panthers and our, you know, visits, mock drafts, the latest edition, uh, he's definitely someone that uh, deserves a lot of credit. And if I'm not mistaken, he uh, dropped his Prime Cuts edition not too long ago. So y'all definitely make sure y'all come to our Facebook page, The Four Man Rush, and check it out and uh, get inside the mind behind 
um, Noah Thornburg, Thornburg, he definitely uh, put together a mock draft that seemed to be one that you guys liked the most. Well, you know what? I'll go ahead and uh, I'll go ahead and get my mock out the way since everybody liked mine the least. But uh, I'll go ahead and say what I had to say about mine. Honestly, I just try to do BPA as well as addressing some needs. But my first pick was uh, at 16 was Brian Burns, edge rush out of Florida State. You know, with us being so versatile on defense, you know, giving different looks, I think he probably fits even a little bit better than the Pharaoh or even the uh, Montez Sweat, just because he has experience dropping back in the coverage a little bit. I've seen him do that in Florida State. I'm a Florida State fan, by the way, Panther Nation, so I know pretty much anything about Brian Burns. If you got a question for me, come up, just hit me up and ask me. I got you. But I took uh, Burns at 16, 47 pick. I took Dexter Lawrence. That's a young athletic DT from Clemson that we can take advantage of as far as getting better in the interior. I think he probably is an upgrade from Mr. Don Terry Poe. And I got uh, Darnell Savage as my third pick, third round, 77th pick. I think that's probably my favorite safety in the draft, even though a lot of people like Nasir Adderley. Uh Mr. Savage is a guy that has a, 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 a three-round value right now, but you know, all you see is him make plays. He made plays in a run game. He makes plays in the secondary. He's not afraid to come up and hit, and he has outstanding range. And then I took uh, Riley Ridley, you know, with my fourth-round pick. That's just because I, I see receiver as a position that's not a need, but there's something that we can add depth to. He comes from a good family. They both work hard. You know, they all work hard. Everybody knows his brother, Calvin. But he was pretty solid as well with the, uh, the opportunities that he was able to get. And then also I took Will Greer, which is a quarterback out of West Virginia. If he's there in the fourth round, you know, in the fifth round, I have to take him because, honestly, I think that he's going to be a pro's pro. I think he'll be a starter in this league one day. And then I also have a running back, Travion Williams. He was there in the, he was there in the uh, sixth round. No, the fifth round. I'm sorry about that. But uh, he's also an outstanding athlete. He shows the ability that he can do some of the things McCaffrey does. He can also block. He can catch the ball in the backfield, et cetera, et cetera. And then I'm, there's an edge that nobody's talking about because he's honestly a day three talent, but he has a hell of a work ethic. And if you watch this tape, he has a hell of a motor. And that's Mr. Uh, Malik Carney, edge rusher. I took him with my last pick in the draft. Because like I said earlier, you can never have too many pass rushes. You can never have too many interior D linemen. You can never have too many offensive linemen. Or you can never have too many D backs. And Mr. Carter would be a good addition for us in the late rounds. But that was my mock, even though it came in last. Thank you guys for voting. But Kev, you can go ahead and explain yours. All right. And personally, I like to draft, I, and I like the reason behind it by by knowing you as long as I have. You know, it it really falls along to the things that you've been saying and and you know preaching about you know to to us individually so your mock definitely didn't surprise me i uh, just need to make a quick disclaimer uh you've been an fsu fan that lets us know that not everybody's perfect tar hill nation we coming back matt brown is back so you know we'll we'll hey, we'll hey listen you you want to talk basketball talk basketball when it comes to that football <laughs> You're not even in the same league. Don't even do that to yourself, all right? We got national championships to talk, all right? <laughs> you got national championships, but what happened last time North Carolina played at Florida State? Maybe the same thing that happened in North Carolina this this recent March Madness tournament. 
know what? On that note, let me get to my mock. So, <laughs> all right, you guys. So, this is the Kevin Avery mock draft. Um, a guy that we just discussed earlier uh, with the 16th pick. He was available. And by the way, just to let you guys know where we did these mock drafts, we went to the uh, draft network. And what we did was select mock draft. And we did it based off their board. And just based on their opinions, their scouting reports, they put the board together. So that's how we chose these players, just to let y'all know, you know, if y'all want to follow along and do your own version. We definitely want you to participate and, and see how we do these things. But, yeah, at number 16, I took Ed Oliver. Again, I was singing his praises earlier. I mean, you're talking about someone that with us going to a three-man front, four-man front, you're talking about a guy that could literally play any D tackle position and any DM position. That's that type of position flexibility with a hybrid defense. I would love to have. So if he did fall and by God, them Falcons didn't take him and he drops in our lap. I hope we are running to the podium to draft Ed Oliver. So he was the guy to get 16. Uh, with my second round pick, the 47th pick overall, I took Chase Winovich, uh, Edge, out of Michigan. Um, I'm cool with a lot of you Michigan fans. And definitely he was someone that automatically sticks out on on the tape. I mean, you talking about a guy that plays with a hot motor nonstop. You don't see him taking off plays. You don't see him slacking. I mean, think of someone with Luke Keekley's motor at defensive end. That's what you see out of Winovich. You see someone that's strong at the point of attack, disengages blocks very well, and sets the edge. Pass rushing, he has pass rushing talents, but they're going to have to be groomed a little bit. He's not a guy that's going to get you double-digit sacks, but he's a guy that can consistently apply pressure on the quarterback and can be anywhere from seven to nine sacks consistently. That's just what he's showing me. In the third round, with the 77th overall pick, I took Juan Thornhill, safety out of Virginia. Again, you know, Will spoke on him last week as someone that follows Virginia. He's someone that's a four-year starter. We're talking about someone that's got 13 interceptions, got a nose for the ball. He can play that single high safety for deep coverage, such as, you know, cover one when we're locked in the man and we need someone to cover the back end. And he's also someone that can disrupt the routes underneath as well. So he's definitely someone that if Adderley and uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and if even if Savage is not available, he's someone that I definitely think would fit the bill. Uh, with the comp pick in the third round, 100 overall, I took McCall Hartman, wide receiver out of Georgia. Again, you know, Lawrence, I mean, Larry, by you being someone that has constantly watched Georgia football, uh, he's someone that stuck out when I started watching a little bit. And I'm just thinking, once again, position flexibility. I mean, he lined up at slot. He lined up on the outside receiver. Uh, they put him in motion. Uh, jet sweep. So we're talking about someone that not only has speed, but has acceleration like one thing that I like about him is the fact he separates from his defender. Now, he did run somewhat of a limited route tree in Georgia, mostly because there was just so much other talent around. 
but he was definitely someone that, you know, I can see going along with what we're doing with Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore. Like, he would be another one of those players that can do a little bit of everything. So that's why I grabbed him. Uh, in the fourth round, which would be a steal for me, I was able to select with the 115 pick overall, Titus Howard, offensive tackle out of Alabama State. This is a name that you guys have probably heard on the podcast before that we mentioned. I mean, solid guy, handled his business uh, at the uh, Shrine Bowl and Senior Bowl. Um, went up against Power 5 Conference defenders, and he put him in check. He's someone I definitely think that if we got a hold of, uh, Coach Masco can definitely groom. And depending on what we do with Darrell Williams after this contract, he might be that next great tackle prospect that we uh, are able to get. Uh, with my fifth-round pick, you know, I had to go back to Cali, you know, and I went to Stanford and picked Bryce Love, running back out of Stanford with the 154th pick overall. Again, when he – after – the 2015 season he came in, I mean, he pretty much picked off right where Christian McCaffrey left off. I mean, you're talking about somebody that can run between the tackles, can run on the outside. Now, the couple of seasons after that, he did fight, deal with some injuries. So there are some concerns with his durability, which is probably one of the reasons why the, they had him so low on his board. But if you're talking about someone that's going to mirror what Christian McCaffrey does, I mean, getting his former teammate at Stanford would – would definitely be ideal. And lastly, for the six pick, number 187 overall, I can't believe this guy was there. So for me, this is tremendous value. Uh, Larry, we, we've talked about this. If this guy's available at day three, that's a steal. And that was defense and Austin Bryant out of Clemson. I mean, Absolutely. Six, absolutely, bro. Absolutely. I mean, we're talking about what, six, five, 265 pounds. Yeah, there's some refinement that needs to be done, but physically he has the tools. He has the NFL body. Uh, he definitely has a hot motor as well. He's a guy that can come in and and definitely had the ability to get into the rotation. And and now, I don't know if Clemson ever stood him up, but you know what I've seen on film, he put his hand in his dirt and yo, he got after it. Now, he was playing alongside other greats like the Pharaohs and the Lawrence and the Wilkins, but uh, this was a guy that definitely made his fresh air plays when the time was called. And, man, if this guy's available on day three, hey, we got to grab him. That you, you don't leave that type of talent out there like that. Now, why they keep putting him so low, I have no idea. But trust me, and you Clemson Tiger fans uh, would attest, that uh, Austin Bryan in the Panthers uniform would definitely look good. So, you know, that's my mock draft and my reasoning behind it. Well, first of all, I just want to let you know I got a problem with you because you hate Florida State, but you were just bigging up Clemson. Like, they're not a rivalry as well. But I'm going to go ahead and critique your mock a little bit. Um, Austin Bryan, like you said, that would be a steal in the sixth. I don't think he'll last that long only because, you know, his downfalls, he was the youngest out of the group. He was the baby. And like you said, he, he played around outstanding talent. So I know there's probably some questions on what he can do on the next level. You also brought up Bryce Love, the, uh, the RB from Stanford. I'll tell you one thing. I don't have a problem with any Stanford guys. They're always smart. They're always polished. I would love to have him in the fifth round. And another guy that stood out to me that you picked up early was uh, 
Chase Winovich. Chase Winovich is like you said. It's, it's like Luke Keekley playing defensive end. His motor is outstanding. And I'm pretty sure that Eric Washington would do wonders with him. If you can get him in the second round, you probably are getting a starter, even if you don't need him to start right away. He's versatile. He can drop back. He can play either. He can put his hand in the dirt. Or he can be a stand-up edge rusher. So that's a good guy to pick, too. And like you said, with that first pick, Ed Oliver, I think, honestly, you know, that will be an outstanding pick. He's one of the best athletes that I've seen, period. I just don't think he's going to make it out of the top five now after that pro day. But honestly, I know Norris won. He won the little vote, but I think you had an outstanding draft, Cab. I would, if your mock was to come to life, I would be completely satisfied. I Man, I honestly would be ecstatic. Hey, I appreciate that. I, I definitely would as well. And um, I think we mentioned it earlier when we was talking this week. Ed Oliver, his, if I'm not mistaken, his shuttle time was up there with the Antonio Browns and other like premier, like we're talking about a guy that's 285 pounds showing the type of speed and agility of wide receivers. Think about that. Not just wide receivers, but elite wide receivers. Yes. 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 Elite creme de la creme, you know, your, your $15 million a season wide receivers. You know what I'm saying? So that's what it means when you can put him when people say you can put him anywhere in the front seven, you can literally put him wherever you want to put him at. He's going to give you production. So he's somebody that, you know, the only, the only thing I was reluctant about, like I told you two, two episodes ago, I like the guy, but he came from a small school and he didn't give us much at the combine. And I'm going to always live with this. If you're coming from a small school, I got to see you perform. And what did he do? He went to his pro day. He performed. All the reluctancy is gone. I'm all for it. If we can get him, I would even probably make a trade up for him, to be honest with you. But I just don't think he's going to last that long. He's not going. I don't think he's making it past the six or seven pick. That's just my personal opinion. Yeah, once he showed out at his pro day, man, I, I felt like that, uh, yeah, that they got him back in the, uh, that, back in the top ten and, you know, we, we're going to see a big run on, on defensive linemen, you know, early and often in this draft. So, but, you know, with the uh, quarterback speculation and moves, we're just hoping that the trickle-down effect will give us uh, someone that we think is top 10, not even in our range, far right to us in our lap. Hey, I mean, it's happened before, so I definitely would be thankful if it happened again. Shoot, let greedy let I know I gave y'all my mock earlier, but let greedy Williams fall to 16. I'm taking him. But one point I want to <laughs> add before we uh before you wrap up, you know our old gen our old GM was Dave Gettleman. And everybody knows what does he love most? He loves defensive line, he loves hog mollies. I'll say that. When Ed Oliver finished his workout at the pro day, the Giants were, I think, the second or third team that immediately scheduled an interview with them. And I think they picked six. I don't see him making it past the Giants. And I just heard on the radio today, they were talking about extending Eli Manning for a year. So that should tell you something that, you know, everybody thinks he might take a Dwayne Haskins or something like that. If Ed Oliver is on the board, I know for a fact he's probably number one on the Giants board right now. So that's something to look out for. And one last guy that we didn't mention, but has been a favorite of mine here is uh, Rashawn Gary out of Michigan. Man, oh, God, I love watching 
man, when you watch him on 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 the game tape, I mean, he is. You can see that he's so much more, but because of the defensive scheme, Michigan runs. And by the way, you know, for those that don't know, Michigan base defense is the three three five nickel. And you know, he was someone that you know played at different spots along that again that position flexibility, so he can play deep tackle or DN. Now he didn't put up the big prototypical sack numbers that you guys like, but definitely he was someone that uh that f- for whatever reason, if he drops, hey, he he's one of them guys you got to jump on as well. Yeah, his numbers didn't pop like that because people don't really understand. He did all the dirty work. I seen him taking on double teams, triple teams, opening it up for other guys. But yeah, you that's somebody that you uh you talked about last last episode that we still gonna look out for. If he's there at 16, you know what? I'd be happy with taking him, too. Well, man, that's pretty much what we set out to talk about today. You know, uh, the mood South, you know, the Panthers moving headquarters and practice facilities look like that's going to be happening in South Carolina. Uh, We touched on the mock drafts. We touched on the uh, pro days and the college visits. You know, hey, just me and you this time around? Hey, man, you know, they rushed, too. (laughs) They rushed, too. No, seriously, things come up, you know, you know, Monty and Will, they still work hard with us every single day to just have some things to do today. I'm sure you'll hear from them next weekend and they'll be able to cover their uh by then we'll probably all have new mocks. So we're probably gonna do another couple of mocks before the actual draft. So just stay tuned. You know, they'll everybody will be back. We'll have the entire front. I just wanna thank everybody behind the scenes, Tim, Greg, and Norris. Appreciate the hard work that you guys do for us. And uh, thank you guys for listening. Keep pounding. Hello? Hey, I don't mean to be rude by saying this or nothing, but my name is Monty here. I really think you're beautiful, you know? Hey, you mind if we sit down and talk a little bit? You know, I see you smiling. Yeah. Can we talk about like 21 and 23? The Foreman Rush is brought to you by the love and respect of and for the Carolina Panthers and Carolina Panther fans everywhere. Keep pounding. The Foreman Rush is a non-affiliate of the Carolina Panther organization. All thoughts, assessments, and content of this podcast is directly related to the Foreman Rush exclusively. Thank you. Nice buns. Soft, fluffy, and ultra-low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra-low net carb bread. With incredible taste and texture, Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O dot C-O.